Church on 4CR in Mackay, 107.5 FM. I'm Jeff Grant, and today's message I've called The Disciples' Master. Who's the boss? You know, there's a spiritual struggle for control of our hearts and our lives, and whoever controls our lives indicates who our ruler really is. You know, it's either the Lord God Almighty or ourselves 
or some other entity. So which is it in your life? And I have to ask the same question of myself regularly. The Bible, you know, has much to say about God's rule and his sovereignty. And today's message is offered to help us recognize who is our master. Remember that Jesus never says that following him and being his disciples is easy. It always involves sacrifice. The first point I've got here is from uh, my text is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15a. I'll read it for you. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That was the NIV version. Now, the, uh, the authorized version has this. But in your hearts, uh, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. And that was actually the amplified version. The point here is full submission to his authority indicates who the disciple's master is. And this verse is in uh, the imperative tense. That's a, it's a definite uh, command and it's a definite act of our will. Now, Romans 14.9 says, For this very reason Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. That happened since, uh, rather, that he might be Lord. Is he the Lord of your life? Or is he just someone you worship on Sunday? Paul's testimony, which is recorded at least three places in the book of Acts, but specifically in Acts 22, when Paul met the risen Lord Jesus on that dusty road to Damascus and he fell to the ground. The first thing Paul said was, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And Paul's next uh, words were, What do you want me to do? Now, right from the very first moment he met the Lord, he was in full submission to his authority. And that's what we should be saying virtually every day. As soon as we wake up, what do you want me to do, Lord? I've got a whole day ahead of me, all kinds of things I can live for myself, or I can live for some other entity, or I can live for you. There's a very famous engraving of the uh, surrender of the Spanish fleet after the Battle of Cape St. Vincent. And in this picture, Admiral uh, Horatio uh, Nelson is deceiving the Spanish Admiral. And what happened was actually the Spanish Admiral walked forward and extended his hand to shake Nelson's hand. And Nelson said to him, your sir, your sword first, sir. In other words, give me your sword, which is a symbol of your total surrender, and then we'll shake hands and get on with uh, whatever we have to do next. In Isaiah uh, 26.3, he wrote this, Lord our God, other lords have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honour. Isaiah recognised as the, as the prophet over uh, half a dozen kings, or most of whom were stinkers and rot, rotters, um, to put it mildly. Uh, he said, there's lots of lords that we're worshipping in this country, but you alone do we really honour. You, you alone are the only one that we must honour. So our God must be Lord alone. There should be no other, no seconds or thirds, no one else. You know, there's a spiritual throne in the centre of our hearts. It can only have one occupant. Dear ones, the clearest sign of Christ having the sole occupancy of our solitary throne is our first response to, our first response to any decision we're considering. Is he our first thought 
or do we really consider approaching Jesus Christ for his approval? Of course, there are both minor and major matters before us. We don't have to ask the Lord what we're having for tea. Will it be lamb or chicken or pork or whatever it might be? But there are major decisions, including uh, where we attend church or what church we belong to. Who am I going to marry? Uh, What kind of career uh, is appropriate for a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you calling me to some sort of uh, definite ministry, uh, full-time paid ministry? Of course, His Word and His Spirit are always our first call. If anything is approved or opposed by Scripture, there's a simple choice for us. We we deny it or, or go ahead. And in uncertain matters, the leading of God's Holy Spirit is always our guide. Isn't that wonderful? If we are willing to wait on the Lord, He promises to make our way clear. Isaiah 8.13 says, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. Literally, He is the one who is our Master. So how are you rating your submission to our God's authority? As I have to ask myself that same question. I'm going to pause now for a moment and hear from Steve Green as he sings God and God Alone. Here's Steve Green.
listening to Radio Church on 4CRM Mackay, 107.5 FM. I'm Jeff Grant, and this message I've entitled, The Disciples Master. We've looked at the first part, which is full submission to his authority indicates who our master is. And the second point I've got here is recognition of his ownership. And we find this in Acts chapter 10, verse 36. I'll read it for you. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter wrote that, or Peter said that. And um, in John's Gospel, chapter 13 and verse 13, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. So here we're looking at recognition of his ownership. And this virtually means ownership of all our possessions. We have talked about this before in a previous message. Our Lord has ownership of all we own. If we don't recognize this fact in actual practice, then Jesus' reign over us is is virtually and merely nominal. It's meaningless. Now, we must belong to Christ by self-surrender of all our earthly assets. And we're told to hold everything we possess as mere trustees in an open hand. Christ must be the sole owner, the one with the deciding vote. And remember, he gives us all of our gifts to be enjoyed. It says so in 1 Timothy 6.17, that everything we receive comes from God and he gives it to us to enjoy. The problem we face is, dear ones, unless Christ is Lord of all we have in practice, our life becomes a battleground of conflicting wants and interests. We struggle over our possession of things and, and God's ownership of it. Do you remember the account of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? And that tells us how important this matter of personal ownership is to God. For Ananias and Sapphira saw the other disciples selling their property, land and houses, and giving the money to the church. And they made a little um, compact together that they would sell their land and give some of it to the church and keep some for themselves. Now, It was entirely up to them. They could have said, look, we're giving you some of the money and we're keeping some. But no, they told the church leaders, we're giving it all to God. And so both of them died. It's a very severe punishment. But you see, we need to recognize his ownership of everything we have. It isn't ours to spend. It's ours to prayerfully uh, commit to the Lord about what use we give to all our money. The Apostle John warns us not to love the world. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Uh, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. He's talking about the desire to indulge, the desire to possess, and the desire to impress. Our Master expects all financing of his earthly ministry to be made by the offerings of his servants. This is the next thing I want to tell you about. He doesn't expect governments to sponsor the gospel. You know, we're to make the worldwide ministry possible by our own personal giving towards missions. How, how are you giving towards missions? Towards anyone who's sharing, any evangelist who's sharing the gospel. The question we should be asking really is not how much to give, but as many people have said, but how much to keep for our own use. But dear ones, there's an even greater truth in these verses on ownership. 
The Lord has ownership of not just of our assets and our possessions, but our very hearts and lives as well. We are His. And we actually belong to Him by not only by creation, but by purchase. He's purchased us by His blood. That's just so evident. In fact, we're to see ourselves as His bond servants, His bond slaves. Do you remember that Jesus said that to His disciples, any of you who seeks to be first must be the slave of all. We're to belong to Him heart and soul. And this is a terrific ask. And this determines who our master really is. There should be a time, dear ones, when we ratify this decision. Uh, some people call it a lordship decision, but it's a decision not just to continue on day after day uh, living our life any way we please, but say, Lord, you own me. In the ancient world, there were many slaves. There were slaves in Israel. People were bought for a certain period of time. And when that time is up, they could go free. There were all kinds of conditions on it, but, but that slave who loved his master and wanted to stay with him, usually the master was a male, would come to his master and say, Master, I don't want to be free. I've decided to give you my life service for the rest of my life. I want to be your bond slave. The master would take him to, the, uh, to a doorpost and taking a sharp awl, that's a, a long point, a bit of metal with a handle on the end, and he'd bore a hole through the slave's ear where, where he would wear an earring. And that would indicate to everyone that he was a bond slave by choice to his master. And beloved, could there be any better person than the Lord Jesus Christ to surrender, than to surrender your life to? Think about that as I do. I'd like to pause for a moment and hear Mahalia Jackson of all people singing, I come into the garden alone. Here's Mahalia Jackson.
Jeff Grant here again. I'm sharing with you a message on Radio Church on Force Yarry Mackay 107.5 FM called The Disciples Master. We've looked at two uh, passages so far. Uh, the first one is the indication of who, who, who my master is, is full submission to his authority. The second one is recognition of his ownership. And now the final part is unquestioning obedience. Luke 6.46, Jesus is speaking, and he says to his disciples and others, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do or practice what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do or practice what I say? You know, obedience from the heart is the true and unmistakable evidence of the reality of Christ's lordship in our lives. In fact, any disobedience violates any profession of loyalty. Our behaviour and our performance speaks much more loudly than any mere profession, any mere words. It's always about the doing and not about the saying. God wants the ownership of our wills, not out of any human kind of desire. You know, he proved his love for us by the cross. He's not a, uh, a tide of some sort. And his sovereignty over us is always for our ultimate best. The best way to live is by unquestioning obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and the Father. You know, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is virtually the hall of faith for many faithful servants of God in the Old Testament. Now, when it, when it comes to full obedience from the heart, uh, we all remember the sacrifice of Abraham of his son Isaac. I, I spoke about that some time ago. There can be no greater act of faith and love for the Lord than Abraham's act and willing to sacrifice his own son. But he, he was willing to do that by faith, believing that God could even resurrect his son when necessary. But there are many mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 who didn't receive what they'd been promised. But they kept on obeying God in their lifetime, and they looked ahead to a better future, a better world in the next life. And then, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to earth to offer his life also in unquestioning obedience to the Father. We read about that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, how he, he left aside his glory and took the role of a servant, a bond slave, even to the point of death, uh, death on the cross between criminals. Along with the Lord Jesus Christ, these people in Hebrews 11, are the heroes of the faith and great examples to us. It's also very important to accept our weaknesses. And in spite of the Holy Spirit empowering us, we, we still fall and fail so often. We, we make these wonderful statements like uh, what I'm talking about here, um, full admission to his authority, recognition of his ownership, and this, this section, unquestioning obedience, that we still fail. And we fall, and we do it so often, so frequently. There is just no consistency in our ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one perfect. And the Scriptures recognize this uh, in First John uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, where it says, um, He who says he has no sin, uh, basically is a liar and deceives himself. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, not only to forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So our daily lives is a process of succeeding 
and occasionally funny. Sometimes our discipleship journey is, is literally two steps forward and one step back. And sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. So how may we press on through life in full submission to our Heavenly Master? Well, just look at the lives of some of those people mentioned in Hebrews 11. Abraham, uh, he made many mistakes. Uh, he, he lied to protect himself and, and suffered all kinds of consequences. But God delivered him and God rescued him. Uh, Moses killed a man um, thinking he was he's being helpful <laughs> to his people. And then he was reluctant to serve God, even though God said, but I'll be with you, Moses. And still Moses basically refused. And, and God, uh, in the end, related and said, well, I've got your brother uh, Aaron. He'll do the speaking and, and you'll, you'll be in charge. If we look at David, well, uh, David was a man after God's own heart. He sought all through his life to serve the Lord, and he did. Uh, but he failed in many occasions. And I don't need to go into details, but uh, David is like so many people who, who allow the flesh to take control. And then there's Elijah, who got into a terrible, depressive fog uh, after his great success on the on, on the mountaintop when he defeated the disciples. The, the followers of Baal. Then there's Peter, who denied the Lord three times, and later on uh, got sucked into the circumcision party, and, and the Apostle Paul had to rebuke him. And and then John Mark, who was one of the uh, followers of Paul and Barnabas at the beginning, but he, he ran home, and some have said, well, he, he ran home to mummy, because he was afraid of what, what lay ahead, but he turned, his life got turned around, and he became a disciple not only of Paul but of Peter, and he wrote the Gospel of Mark. All these blessed people had failures and setbacks, but they continued faithfully. Simply by confession and repentance, whenever we fail, uh, we're back on the track. The Bible says all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's teaching, we're on the right track. Reproof, we get off the track. Uh, correction, we get back on the track. And training, we keep on the track. We're in a long-distance journey or race. And we just persevere by faith in the grace of the Lord and His cleansing. And we can do this by the Holy Spirit. First um, Corinthians 12.3 says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And that, that is to keep on saying, uh, we keep on saying Jesus Lord by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He, he is ever and always our helper in all of these things. He is sent to enable us to keep Christ on the throne of our hearts. And he absolutely delights to do this. The Holy Spirit continually acts to separate our hearts from this world and attach them, that is our affections, to Jesus Christ. And dear ones, he empowers our weak wills and strengthens us, strengthens us to do God's will. Beloved, Jesus Christ calls on each one of his followers to own him as master. That's the title the first disciples gave to him. We can do no less. There is no greater role in this life than to be the disciple of the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you his disciple and do you call him master? If you do, then God bless you. And now a couple of songs to round off our Radio Church program. First of all, uh, one from the Newsboys, the, the, the new 
and one from George Beverly Shea, the old. Here's Jesus paid it all, and how great thou art. Presented by Pastor Jeff Grant from the Uniting Church at Serena.
hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed.
That's the Maranatha singers concluding this week's Radio Church on 4CRM with a song called All Creatures of God.